we're in the last four verses of Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17, going to be talking about there's nothing fishy about taxes. And it is an amazing lesson that we find in God's Word where we go verse by verse to the Bible, and many times you would miss this if you're just reading here and there. But it's only found, this story is only found in the book of Matthew. It's interesting that Matthew was a tax collector prior to this, before he got saved. All tax collectors need to be saved. All taxpayers need to be saved. But Matthew is the one that records this, and he is the only one that talks about the fish with the coin in its mouth. Now, I want us to focus not so much this morning on the coin in the fish's mouth, but more about what the lesson is really about, and that is making sure that we do our duty as a child of God and that we do nothing to offend someone else. A lesson of the redemption of Christ and how Christ redeems us and brings to us eternal life and how Jesus, who owed nothing, came and paid everything so that you and I could go to heaven. Matthew chapter 17, the last four verses. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word just out of honor to God's Word. And if you haven't got a Bible with you, it is on the screen. The Word of God here is always lit up. And when they were come to Capernaum, they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, Doth not your master pay tribute or taxes? And Peter answered, Yes. And when he was coming to the house, Jesus prevented him, jumped ahead of him, saying, What thinkest thou, Simon? Of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute, of their own children or strangers? And Peter saith unto him, Of strangers. And Jesus saith unto him, Then are the children free. Notwithstanding, lest you should offend them, Go thou to the sea and cast a hook and take up a f the fish, the first that cometh up. And when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money that take and give unto them for me and thee. And of course, I'm talking about there's nothing fishy about taxes. You may be seated. I've looked at this beautiful miracle all week long, and as I look at it, it just grows, and you begin to see so many beautiful things that you could expound on. This tribute or money that they're gathering is temple tax. It's not Roman tax. It's not government tax. It's temple tax. It's a temple tax that Moses instituted in Exodus 30 as they were traveling across the wilderness. And everyone that was 20 years old and older of the males had to pay every year a half a shekel. And that half a shekel would be put into silver in the um, peg poles of the tabernacle. The tabernacle had silver in its um, 
bracing poles, the tent pegs, was made of silver. And someone will ask, where would the children of Israel get this money? They're in the wilderness. It ain't like, you know, they go to the bank. And, well, they would barter, and many times the children of Israel would. Of course, you've got to understand, when they left Egypt, they didn't leave broke. They, they left with all the wealth and riches of Egypt. But along the way, they did have battles, scrimmages. They did pay for things along the way in the wilderness. And so all the males, 20 years old and older, were instructed to give a half a shekel in order to upkeep the tabernacle. That rule was actually handed down to the temple of Solomon all the way into the time of Jesus. And it was called the temple tax. The temple tax has a beautiful lesson behind it. And actually, it's a, I'd like to call it a silver tax. Because silver is the picture of redemption. If we're going to hook into this, the story is, of course, Jesus is going into Capernaum. Capernaum was a, a very fishy place. It was a, had a lot of ports, a lot of fishing places. And as they're going into Capernaum, just before the, the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of uh, the Passover Feast or whatever the case may be, there would be tax collectors gather to take up the taxes of those traveling into Jerusalem. And those taxes were used to take care of the temple. Now, it all began in the wilderness. My salvation began in the wilderness. And Jesus Christ brought me out of the wilderness into the Canaan land. And today I'm free, free indeed, by the redemption price of Jesus Christ for my soul. We find in Exodus chapter 30, verse 11 and 12, I'm just going to skip through this a little bit, but Exodus 30, um, chapter 30, verse 11 and 12, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, now, when the Lord speaks to Moses, you ought to listen. And when Moses speaks to you, you ought to listen. And by the way, when I speak to you, you ought to listen. Why call me pastor, pastor, and do not the things that I say? But anyway. But the Lord spake unto Moses, when thou takest the sum of the children of Israel, when it talks about when thou takest the sum of the children of Israel, after their number, it meant they counted them for battle. These were 20-year-olds and up. Young men. And these young men, then they shall give every man a ransom of his soul unto the Lord. When thou numberest them, that there be no plague among them when thou numberest them. Verse 15. The rich shall not give more, and the poor shall not give less than a half a shackle. When they give an offering unto the Lord to make an atonement for your sins. And thou shalt take the atonement money of the children of Israel and shalt appoint it to the service of the tabernacle of the congregation, that it may be a memorial unto the children of Israel before the Lord to make an atonement for your souls. So this is a picture of atonement, of redemption. Notice it says that the rich were not to give more and the poor were not to give less. 
Because the poor are not buying anything and the, and the rich are not buying anything. They're simply acknowledging the fact that God owns them, that they are the property of God. And so they pay a half a shackle in order to say at the redemption price for the Lord to just claim them, to say they're one of his. And so the silver is a picture of redemption. And we look at this and we see where it is told by God to Moses to take up this half a shekel. And it was used to help with not only the upkeep of the tabernacle later on the temple, but it also was used to help poor people that didn't have enough money to purchase a lamb. They would help people get the sacrifice to purchase the lamb. In other words, God's house should be a house of blessings. God's house should be a house of giving, not taking, of sacrificing our lives to build the gospel of Jesus Christ in the ears and hearts of people's lives. And so down to the centuries, they paid the temple tax. And it was used to take care of the priests, the Levites, the upkeep, the repairs of the tabernacle or the temple. And it was a picture of being redeemed into a place we as children of God are redeemed into a place. That place is Jesus Christ. The Bible says when Joash, the king of Judah, he began to reign in 2 Chronicles 24, verse 1, that Joash began to reign at seven years old as king of Judah. Shoot, I know some boys begin to reign at two months old. But Joash was made the king. Joash was a good king. But the temple had been destroyed, basically. The temple had just fallen apart because of the children of Israel's um, whoring after false gods. And the temple was pretty much in ruin, just shambles. And the Bible says that Jehoiada, was the high priest at this time. And Jehoiada, because the temple was in ruins, there in verse 3 and 4 of 2 Chronicles 24, and Jehoiada took for him two wives, and he begat sons and daughters. Well, it wasn't wrong for the priest to have a wife, but it was wrong for him to have two Amen. I don't know what any man in his right mind would want to anyway, but anyway. I wouldn't take, as one guy said, I wouldn't take a dime for my wife, but I wouldn't give you another nickel for another one. And Jehoiada marries. The, the picture in verse 3 is that Jehoiada, Jehoiada, this high priest had lost his vision of work. The temple was destroyed, so he had just fragmented, took two wives, and began to bring forth sons and daughters. The Bible says 
and he begat sons and daughters. But verse 4 says, And it came to pass after this that Joash was minded to repair the house of God. And Joash was minded to repair the house of God because it was in absolute shambles. If you'll read this chapter um, 24 of Second Chronicles, uh, you'll discover that Joash was going to follow the advice of Moses, and he's going to require uh, a temple tax in order to rebuild the temple because it was so destroyed and so messed up. The temple tax was a beautiful tribute to God. And Jesus, when he comes to Capernaum, those that collected taxes or temple tax comes to Peter. And you would say, well, why did they go to Peter instead of Jesus? Usually when they ask questions to Jesus, it didn't work out well for them. Hello. <laughs> and so they said, Peter, does your, does your uh, leader, does your master, does he pay taxes, temple taxes? He paid tribute, your master. And, and Peter is going to rescue Jesus and say, yes, of course he does. What do you think? My Lord's perfect. And so Jesus catches Simon in the house a little bit later. Jesus knew what went on. By the way, he knows what you've done last night too. Jesus knows what you were thinking before we came in here. And he asked Peter, when, when, when Peter said, yes, my Lord gives, my master gives taxes, Peter asked him, or Jesus asked Peter rather, what thinkest thou, verse 25, what do you think about this, Simon? To whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute of their own children or strangers? And Peter answered and said, of strangers. And Jesus said unto them, then are the children free. So we find the temple tax was necessary and very wonderful in order to take, to take care of God's house. And at the same token as their giving of the shekel, they're saying, I belong to God. He has claim on me. But when they came to ask if Jesus paid taxes, Jesus here in my second point of the message is Jesus is tax exempt. Basically, that's what Jesus was saying to Peter. Hey, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm tax exempt. To whom do the kings take taxes from? Their own children, themselves, or strangers? And Peter said, well, the king don't pay taxes. His children don't pay taxes. And Jesus Christ said, then are the children free. And so basically Jesus was saying to Peter, I don't owe this tax. I don't owe it. Peter, you owe it, but I don't owe it. Because I'm the king of glory. I'm the Lord of glory. I'm, I'm the master. I am the temple of the, of the spirit of God. I'm the temple of the things of God. And he's saying, Jesus is saying, I am tax exempt. I don't have to pay it. And I want you to know that Jesus Christ was basically saying to Peter, you owe, I don't. 
Does that remind you of something? We owe a debt we cannot pay. Jesus doesn't owe a debt at all. But yet he pays our debt. And Peter owed, but Jesus didn't because Jesus is the Redeemer. He is the picture of the temple and the tabernacle. And so Jesus saying, I'm exempt. I don't have to do this. But then he says, I want you to remember that I will pay the tax anyway. I'm going to pay the tax. Notice it says in verse 27, notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go thou to the sea and take a, cast a hook and take up a fish. The first cometh up. And when thou hast opened its mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money. Actually, he's going to find two shekels here, a whole shekel here. Take that take and give unto them for me and thee. So Jesus pays the debt, the half a shekel for him, a half a shekel for Peter. Jesus says, I'm going to pay this tax because I don't want anybody offended. Jesus said, I don't owe it, but I'll pay it. We owe, we owe, we owe, we owe our own souls to, to the sin of death, the law of sin and death. We are bound. The wage of the sin is death. We owe. But Jesus owes nothing. And Jesus Christ is basically saying to Peter, I don't have to die, but I'm going to die. I don't have to bleed like a sacrificed lamb, but I'm going to be the lamb of God to take away this in the world. I don't have to pay, but I'm going to pay. I don't have to suffer for sin, but I will suffer for your sins. I don't have to go to the grave, but I will go to the grave so that I can break the powers of death held in the grave for you. Jesus Christ is saying, I don't know this, but I'm going to pay your debt. And I'm going to pay your debt to a miracle. I'm going to pay your debt by the power of God. I'm going to pay your debt, Peter. Now you go down to the river or the lake and you put a hook in the water and, and, and it didn't matter what he had on the hook. Uh, the power of God was on that hook. And I mean, no, Peter was probably pretty embarrassed out there with a rod and reel, fishing rod. He's a great fisherman. They do all net fishing. In fact, I'm told that fishing with a pole is pretty vain in Galilee. You don't do much good fishing with a pole in Galilee. And the reason for that is there's too much natural food for them to eat. So they just swim right past your hook. Whatever you bait your hook with, they swim right past it. But, but, but listen, when Peter put his hook out there, I don't know what he had on that hook. It wouldn't have mattered if he had nothing on that hook. The power of God was on that hook. And when Peter put that hook out in the water, the power of God drawed that fish with that coin, that shekel, that, she that shekel to the hook. And that fish bit that hook. And Peter brought it out of the water. I want you to know, in the same token, I was underwater in sin. 
The same token, you were underwater in sin. But God threw his mighty hook out in the water. And it come down before us and we grabbed it. We saw something that we had never seen before. Something drawed us by the power of God before. Something drawed us by might and power. And we came and we latched onto that hook. And Jesus put a hook in our jaw and pulled us out of death, hell, and the grave and gave us eternal life. And in our mouth is the silver cord of praise, the silver coin of worship, the silver coin of redemption. In our mouth is praise and worship. For in our mouth is that silver coin of redemption. I look at this and I'm so blessed by the th- fact that Jesus Christ said, I'm, I'm not required. And by the way, did you know rabbis and, and priests were not required to pay this half a shekel a year. They were not required. The, the priests and Levites were not required. Why? Because they were the ones working in the temple. I jotted this down. Tax collectors love the temple, but the priests and the Levites love the money. We need some preachers, priests and Levites, that will love the temple more than they love the money. And so, When Jesus Christ said, I want you to go fishing. I want you to get a coin, pay my taxes and pay yours. That no one would be offended. I want you to understand that Jesus Christ had a higher calling. And his calling was to redeem us from our sin. And the Bible says, then are the children free. Jesus said, I will pay the tax. So that no, no one will be offended. I will, I will pay that tax. And I look at this and I see Peter tells, or Jesus tells Peter, go down and fish. It was humbling for him because he usually used a net. Think of what had to happen to get that miracle going. Somewhere, someone had to be pulling something out of their pocket over the water, maybe in a boat, and this shiny coin falls kaplunk. Two days' wages. A half a shekel was one day's wages. Two shekels was uh, two, two days' wages. And so two days' wages went kaplunk in the water. I, you know, that would be real depressing if it was me. I mean, would agree. And so I don't know whether the guy's taking something out of his pocket, he drops the the shekel, the, the two shekels in one coin into the water. And just as it drops into the water, God commands the fish, not just any fish, a fish, not to swallow Jonah, but to swallow a coin. And God prepares a fish to come and swallow the coin into his mouth. He couldn't swallow it down. He could just swallow it into his mouth. And that fish sees something shiny in the light, in the water, and it goes to it. See the miracle that had to take? And Peter had to go to the right spot, cast the hook in at the right place, and the first fish that would come would take the hook, and, it had, and, it, and that fish had to be the right fish at the right time, at the right place, under a miracle, and Peter catches the fish. He looks in the mouth. 
I love the phrase, Jesus said, take the first fish and get the coin out of its mouth because Jesus knew that after that, Peter would have stayed at the sea fishing. Wouldn't you? If I caught a fish with a silver dollar in its mouth, I'd fish the rest of the day. Hello? And so, don't you worry, you can't even catch a fish. But anyway, but... <laughs> but notice it says the first fish, meaning you don't have to look any farther than the miracle of Jesus Christ. You don't have to look any farther than the Lord of glory, the Son of God. You don't have to look for a second or a third. You, you can look at the first and thank God Jesus Christ loved me and I love him because he first loved me. And it was the first fish that come up out of the water hooked by the miracle power of God. And Jesus Christ said, I'll be that fish. I'll give you a sacrifice. I'll be the first one to die on the cross of Calvary. The only one that can, the only one that will. And, the, and I'll be the first one to deliver you. Look no further for someone that loves you. I love you, Jesus Christ cried from the cross. Look no further for a redeemer. I, Jesus Christ is a redeemer. Look no further for another gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is riddled, full, permeated with the power and the life of God. Look no further than the first catch of your life. Jesus catches you, gives you eternal life. And he says, don't you look any further. You don't have to look any further. You keep looking further and you're going to find a false messiah. Amen? Now, I'm preaching better than you're responding. Notice that the rich are not to pay more and the poor are not to pay less. In other words, it is a flat tax. It's a fair tax. It's a picture of redemption. And God is fair. Whether you're rich or poor, God is fair. Whether you're down and out, God is fair. Whether you're struggling or you feel you're on the high mountains, God is fair. But God requires redemption for you, and God requires of your soul redemption, and only Jesus Christ can pay that redemption. He, hey, I owed a debt I couldn't pay, and Jesus paid a debt that he did not owe, and Jesus Christ says, yeah, I don't have to die on the cross, but I'll do it for you. I don't have to shed my blood, but I'll do it for you. I don't have to go to Golgotha's hill, mount myself upon an altar before my mighty Father in heaven, and die for your sins, but I'll do it anyway. I don't have to do this. I'm the king of glory. I don't have to pay taxes. I don't have to pay tribute. I don't have to pay tribute to death. I don't have to pay tribute to, to, to failure and, and hell and the, and the lake of fire. I don't have to bow to it. I'm the Lord of glory. But I will go to the cross and die for your sins. I'll pay the debt that you owe that you cannot pay. Amen, I love that, don't you? Isn't that so beautiful? I stop and think about how awesome our God is and how wonderful he's been to us as children of God. And how God has showed us that through redemption, through the grace of God, 
that God does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. The children are free. Not just Jesus. I've been redeemed. I'm free from sin and death. I'm free from the old bondage of the law and sin of death. I'm free because my master, my king Jesus has set me free. I am his child. I belong to God. I'm a child of God. So I don't owe. I, you listen, please, please don't take this too seriously, but you don't have to give a thin dime to this church. But you will because you've been redeemed. You don't, have to, you don't have to do anything for this church, but you will because the Bible's very clear that we are bought with a the price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which is God's in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 20. We're bought with a price. I don't have to, you know, the mystery of the church, the world looks at the church and wonders how in the world do we operate? The world looks, how do we operate? Well, we operate out of our faithfulness and our dedication to God. You don't have to give anything. Hey, listen, you don't have to die, you don't have to die on a burning cross. But if the Lord asks you to, you will. Are you hearing me? You don't have to suffer for the gospel of Jesus Christ, what the Lord brings you to, you will. And you will do it out of a thankful heart because you're bought with a price and you're to glorify God in your body and your spirit. You don't have to give anything. You don't have to do anything, but you will when God asks you to. Amen? That's why our church has never wanted for anything because our people knows what it is to love the Lord. And my job and Josh, our associate pastor's job is to remember that the temple tax collectors love the temple, but the priest and Levites love the money. And when Jesus Christ said, I want you to pay it, I, we don't know it, Peter, I'll pay your part. I don't know it. I'll pay it. Go to the sea, catch a fish, and pay the tax that you not offend anybody. Hear me, and hear me well. These temple tax collectors loved the temple. If you don't hear anything I preached today, hear that one statement. These temple tax collectors loved the temple. And Jesus knew they loved the temple. That's why they were not paid to go out and gather the tax. They went out and gathered the tax. If they did get paid, it was nothing. And they would go out and gather the tax so that the temple would be in good repair. So the temple would be there to help the down and out, the afflicted, that the temple would uh, operate smoothly as they give the temple tax. So they went out and gathered the temple tax because they loved the temple. And that's another reason Jesus Christ gave when he didn't have to give because he loved the temple.
Jesus loved the temple. And he didn't want to offend these people that loved the temple. So he tells Peter, let's get it done. I don't owe it, but let's pay it. Let someone be offended. Let someone be hurt. Let's get it paid. I don't want to cause anybody to feel uh, like I'm being unfair or not being proper in in my walk and in my working for the Lord. And so I want to say to everyone in this room, that if we're not motivated by love coming to church, we're coming to church for the wrong reason. If we're not motivated by love and we give to the church, we give for the wrong reason. We do need to understand that the the house of God, Moses made it a requirement, half a shekel. 20 years old and up, half a shekel. Take care of the house of God. That was carried on to Joash and the kings and even to the time of Christ, a half a shekel. But it basically was a free offering. In other words, free will. You gave it because you loved the temple. Amen. So, preacher, I want you to preach some law and legalism. I'm not going to do it. Now, I believe in tithing. I believe in giving. I believe in offerings. I believe in tithes. I believe that. And many of you in this auditorium believe that. But please hear me. What trumps that, and I'm not speaking of a guy running for president, what trumps that is your love for the church of Jesus Christ. Because if you have a deep love for the church of Jesus Christ, you don't have to be begged for anything. You don't have to be put under any rules. If you have love for Jesus Christ and love for the church, you'll do what God's called you to do. Just like Jesus said, you know, I don't have to die. I don't have to shed my blood. I don't have to be the lamb, but I'll be it. I'll do it even though I don't have to. I'll do it. And I want you to know every true born-again child of God in this room, if God called on you to die for him, you would. You don't have to, but you would. One of these days, I'm going to preach a sermon on I don't have to, saints. But you will. Amen? Jesus Christ says to Peter, you go pay mine and yours. Mine and thine. You pay them both. Jesus didn't have to. And I think it's amusing because the kings doesn't have to pay taxes and Jesus is the king of glory. Neither did the Levites and the priests had to pay taxes and Jesus was a priest. He was one of the Levites, the teachers and the priest. And the priesthood. He didn't have to pay it. But the whole principle of this beautiful fish story is that God will go out of his way to perform a miracle so that people will not be offended. So that people will not go to hell. That people will not be banished from redemption. Jesus Christ said, I don't have to die for your sins, but I will. You don't have to burn upon a stake for Christ. But if the Lord asked you to, you would. Amen. Now, I'm not making light of tithe and offerings. Hear me. You know I believe the Scripture teaches tithe and offering. But I do think there's a higher 
plateau we can reach where none of that's done out of constraint. It's all done out of love. Amen? None of that's done out of some preacher pounding the pulpit saying, you give, you give, you give. No, it's all done out of the fact that Jesus loved us so much that he gave and he didn't have to. Isn't that beautiful? The ransom was silver. And Jesus Christ is the ransom for our sins. He's the God of glory. He's the redeemer of heaven and earth. And Jesus Christ is teaching a beautiful principle here. You take care of God's business. And I'll take care of yours. That's basically what Jesus was trying to tell Peter. You take care of God's business, and I'll take care of yours. And we all need to take care of God's business because Jesus has already took care of ours. I'm going to heaven. I mean, sure, you're going to heaven. I'm positive. I have no doubt I'm going to heaven. Not because I'm a good person. On the contrary, I've been redeemed because I was a bad person. But God has washed me in his, sin, in his blood and cleansed me from my sin, and I'm a redeemed child of God. I have been ransomed from the kidnapping and the bondage of Satan because Jesus paid the sin debt for you and I, and he paid the ransom for our sins, and he paid that silver price, and he came to get set us free because Jesus Christ claimed us long, long ago because Jesus came and redeemed us and purchased by his blood, and he is the one that would go to the temple. He is the silver coin. He is the coin in the fish's mouth. He is the pay, uh, pay, a payment for our sins. He is the redeemer of our soul. He is the God of wealth and the God of blessing. He is the God of strength and might and power and he loves you and he wants you to love him and give to him and use your, your monetary gifts and use your heart and use your life to promote and take care of the things of God. Amen. Amen. I'm so grateful for my God. I will admit that this fish story is quite a story. And if anybody had told it other than Jesus, I wouldn't have believed it. I'm not sure I'd believe Peter at all. I could see Peter running to the other disciple. Oh, I got a, a big coin, two days pays wages. And, the, the, and Bartholomew says to to. Uh, uh, um, Bartholomew Thomas. Thomas is a good one. I doubt it. But anyway, and, and, and Peter says, I got this fish, and there's a coin in it. And, and, and the other disciples say, sure, sure, sure. And Matthew says, I'm a tax collector. I believe it. Was a tax collector. Amen? Hello. So blessed. We're so blessed as children of God. We're so overcome by God's grace and God's mercy. God has rescued us. 1 Corinthians 6.20, you're bought with a the price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which is God's. We are bought with a price. We're bought with the shed blood of Jesus Christ. 
we've been taken off the auction block. We are no longer on the market. We are not for sale. We do not belong to the world. We do not belong to the world system. We do not belong to anything except the true life and the truth of Jesus Christ. We belong to him and no one else. We belong to the living God and nothing else. We belong to the Savior, Jesus Christ, and nothing else. We belong to this good word of God and this mighty God that sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. We belong to Jesus and nobody else. We've been taken off the market. We are not for sale. And if we're tempted to lean the wrong direction, remember the price that was paid for you on the cross of Calvary, we are not for sale. That's silver redemption. They used it in the tabernacle the shackle, the half shackle, they use it to purchase silver to put in the tent pegs, to hold it together. And I want you to know Jesus holds it all together. We're not for sale. The wind can come, will not blow down. The storms can come, but will not bow to the sloppy shores and the raging waves of the sea. Sickness and disease and heartbreak can come. But we will not bow down and succumb. We'll worship our Lord and our God and our great healer and our great master, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We will not bow to discouragement. We will not bow to bondage. We will not bow to selfishness. We will not bow to money. We will not bow to greed. We will not bow to the world system. We will bow our knee to Jesus Christ, the Son of Almighty God, who loved us and died for us and shed his blood for us and went to the grave and rose again from the dead for us so that in him we live. Have you ever noticed God's a giver? You ever notice that? You ever notice how much God, how much, how much air God gave you to breathe? Now sometimes the receptacle don't work well. I'll get to laying in bed and sometimes my nose will get stopped up and it's kind of hard to breathe, so I breathe out my mouth. Judy never breathes out her mouth. That tells you one thing, I snore, she doesn't. I, I, I don't understand. Judy sticks her little nose out of the covers. When it's cold, my wife will get in the bed and she'll pull the covers up over her head and her little old nose sticking up out of the crack of her belt and she's breathing. And I want to reach over and do this. Despite what you think, I'm not stupid. She sticks her cute little nose up out of it and she just breathes. But she doesn't get all the air out of the house. The house is full of air. Open the door, the whole world is full of air. 
God is a big giver. He gave us so much. He gave us food and water to drink. He made so much water that planet Earth is 91% water. Now, you don't want to drink salt water, but there's lakes and rivers. Amen? Nothing like drinking out of a cool creek. Anybody ever done that as a kid? Anybody ever done that as an old geezer? But anyway, just, you know, me and my brother, we were, we were playing down at Garrison Spring, and we decided we needed a drink. So me and my brother, we got on our belly, and we stuck our lips down in the Garrison Spring, sucking up that water. We got up, and Tim says, what's all that white thing floating down the creek? I said, I don't know. So we went upstream, and we found cows standing in the, in the spring, doing what cows do. And we spit and sputtered, gagged and puked. I'm telling you, it was a moving experience. God gives us plenty of air to breathe, plenty of water to drink. God's a big, big giver. He's a God who gives. In fact, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God gave his son, Jesus Christ, who gave his blood and gave his life and gave his all so that you and I could live forever. We are not for sale. We are taken off the market. The world can't have us. We belong to God. And so... Now you know about what the temple tax was about. And it was a picture of Jesus Christ. And I'm glad Jesus paid my taxes. Oh, he's going to have to again in a few months. Why? Because I'm broke. He said, why are you broke? I'm married. My life's simple. My life is so simple. I make whatever I make and hand it to Judy. It's done. I never have anything. If I tell you I don't have nothing, I don't have nothing. I give it to Judy. She takes care of all the bills. What a deal. I get to live without any stress or worry. Judy takes care of the bills. She takes care of all the stuff around the house. She cooks. She, she hangs around the house looking pretty. I hang around the house looking fat and old. She's pretty. She's gorgeous. I give her all I have. She takes care of it. I don't have to worry about nothing. Amen? The only thing I have to worry about is my wife says, put some clothes on. It's almost noon. You think I'm kidding. I kind of took up a bad habit when I was in that bad car wreck. 
But I stay up late, very late. I want you to hear me. God gives so much. And God would like for you to get out of the have-to mode and get into the want-to mode. God wants you to get out from under the law and fall in under His grace and love Him and give to Him and take care of His business and He'll take care of yours. Isn't that beautiful? I don't... We had an older couple and... and I'm sure that they, they won't be watching, and I wouldn't embarrass them for nothing in the world. We had an older gentleman, his son. His wife had just died a couple of months ago. They sit here in the middle, and him and his dad would sit here. His dad was up in years, and the boy had lost his mom a couple of months back, and then his dad was killed in a car wreck just a few hours just a few hours ago. And the man walks into this foyer this morning. And he said, I want to tell you my daddy was killed in a car wreck. It was either yesterday or last night. And of course, I did my best to talk to him and tell him not to feel guilty and understand that we love him and it's a horrible thing. But in his bereavement, in his grief, he said, I came by to give you dad's tithe. That's love. He didn't have to, but he wanted to. And I'm sure that God will take good care of him. I don't know what you're facing today, but I want you to know this. God wants to take you off the market. God wants to occupy your house. He wants to take you off the market. He wants to buy you. Say, he already has. I'm a child of God. Then that's wonderful. But please hear me. You don't have to do a lot of things. But because Jesus Christ is who he says he is, and he is the sovereign God, you will. You will serve him. You will go the extra mile. You will sacrifice. You will give. You will... Do all that's necessary to show your love to God, not out of constraint, not out of law, but out of deep love for Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for the lesson that Jesus Christ gave us here in this chapter. We'll be in chapter 18 next Sunday morning. But I'm thankful for this beautiful story of how Jesus said, I don't know it but I'm going to pay it. And while I'm at it, I'm going to pay yours, Peter. And Jesus said, I don't know it, but while I'm at it, 
I'm going to pay for you and 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 all of you. I don't know it. I don't know it. I'm king of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus would say. I don't know it. My kingdom's not of this world. I don't know it, Jesus would say. I owe nothing. I owe no death. I owe no, uh, no suffering. I owe nothing, but I'll, I'll pay it for you. And that's the message of this beautiful picture of the coin in the fish's mouth. I'll pay it for you. And I'm so glad that one day Jesus came while I was under the dark waters of sin. And Jesus had a servant cast out a hook. And I saw something that strangely attracted me to it. And I pulled myself to the hook. And I tasted of the Lord. And he was good. And God pulled me out of the dark waters of sin. And put the coin of praise in my mouth. And put the coin of redemption in my mouth. Put the coin of yes, I will do God's work. Yes, I will pay the price to be the proper child of God. Yes, I will, in my mouth, have the coin and the willingness and the praise to honor God and to pay things that I don't know because Jesus paid it all for me. Wow. Stand with me. We're going to give an invitation. Hope you enjoyed today. Hope you enjoyed the blessings of the Lord. You're not for sale. God's took you off the market. Devil, devil has no, no claim on us. The devil can't come along and see if we're for sale because Jesus Christ has put a sign out in front of all of our property that says sold. He's bought us. We're his. We're not for sale. There might be someone to come around and inquire of things, inquire of something. But you need to just say, no, I'm not for sale. I'm not for sale to the world. I'm not for sale to pleasure. I belong to God. And in the process, we will be so blessed to serve him. So fortunate to know him. I love him. I tell him every Sunday morning in prayer, and every time I pray, I tell him, I tell Jesus, I love you. I don't know how much I love you, but I know I love you. And we need to honor him with our lives because he paid a debt for us. Gosh, go ahead.